If I haven't met you, my name is Tom Franklin. I do campus ministry in Birmingham, Alabama. At a small school called Birmingham Southern College. And uh, it's really good to be with you. This is my second time to YXL. And some of you were here two years ago when I was here, so I'm really, really excited to be back. And uh, Chad has been with you the last two nights. I'll be with you tonight. Chad will be with you the next night. And then I'll be with you the next night. It'll get confusing. But his name is Chad and my name is Tom. That's all you need to know. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 6 through 15. Verses 6 through 15 of Colossians chapter 2. Um, I invite you to listen to the word of God. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us. And that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I invite you to speak to our hearts tonight. I, I know for a fact that the majority of us in here have received Christ Jesus as Lord, but we may have lost our way in trying to figure out what it means to continue to live in him. And so I ask that you would meet us wherever it is that we are, whether or not we are encouraged because we are at YXL, or whether or not we're tired, we're confused, we are dried up, and we do not feel that you are real. Whatever the case may be, Jesus, would you meet us? Would you speak to us? Would you open our eyes and our hearts to the love that you have for us? And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I have a wife. Her name is Kristen, and we've been married for almost four years. She's back in Birmingham. I wish she could be with us maybe one day. Um, Kristen and I love to travel. It's something that we enjoy doing. And in four years, we've had the opportunity to take some wonderful trips, some of them for only a, a night and some of them for days upon a time. And we love to travel and, and we love to take long trips in the car. 
But without fail, one of the things that we have come to realize when we leave town is that when we come back into town, without fail, the plants and the flowers in our yard are wilted and dried up. We have not figured out how to leave town and to come back and to have our flowers and our plants still look the way they were when we left. The, the dirt is dry. The leaves are wilted. You know exactly what this looks like, right? The flowers are brown. They're shriveled up. Well, I want to invite you tonight to consider that as famous as the Colossians were in their faith that Chad has described to you over the last two nights, Paul knows something about these Colossians, and he knows something about you, and he knows something about me. And that's this. There is going to come a point in our lives where we become dried out, where we become bored, where we become stagnant, where we're not moving anywhere, where maybe there's a disconnect between what we know is true and what we feel is true. Paul had never met the Colossians, but he knew that this was true of them, and he knows that this is true of you. It's as if no matter whether you've been stained or not, stain can get dried up. I stained my back deck three years ago, and guess what? It needs more stain. So Paul has something to say to you and I tonight if you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, I promise you will. There's going to come a point in your life when you run out of steam and where you don't feel as if God is real. And Paul has something to say to you. And, and, and he says the reason why that is, I'll go ahead and tell you up front, this is everything that I'm going to talk about tonight. The reason why that is is because you and I are no longer rooted in Christ, in Jesus, and what he has done for you. The reason why you and I feel that way is because we're no longer rooted in Christ and what he has done for us. Now, it would help if you and I were farmers to read the Bible. It's just the way it's written. It would, but we get this. You and I must, we have to sink our roots into something in order to survive. We have to. That's the way that God created you and I. We've got to stick our roots in something. And our problem is, that we have put our roots in something other than Jesus and what he's done for us. We have to stick our roots in something to get life, to get nutrients. You know what I'm talking about. The problem that you and I have is, is that we're trying to sink our roots into something else other than what Jesus says about you and what Jesus has done for you. So Paul has something to say about that. In verse 9, in verse Six, sorry, he says this. Look at the text if you have it in front of you. Verse 6, so then, Colossians, so then, YXL, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. So first, let's look at what does it mean to receive Christ Jesus as Lord, and secondly, we'll look at what Paul means by continue to live in him. And in order to do this, I would invite you to a first century church. I would invite you to come with me to a church in Colossae. Now, I don't know what this would look like. It would probably be in a house, maybe in a public area, maybe even underground. But you've got a small group of people that have gathered. And imagine someone in that group 
making the profession that Jesus Christ is Lord. Sounds pretty simple, right? Well, here's the problem. In the first century, there was someone else who was considered to be Lord. There was someone else who was Lord over everything. You know who that was? Caesar. In the first century, Caesar was Lord over politics. Caesar was Lord over economics. Caesar was Lord over the military. Caesar was Lord over all. And for a Christian in the first century to say Jesus is Lord was a big deal because what he was saying is Caesar is not. Whenever you and I say that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life, what we are saying ultimately is nothing else is. Maybe I can illustrate it this way. Uh, I hope that many of you get to enjoy uh, being married one day. Um, and one of the fascinating things about a wedding ceremony is that when I stood up in front of my friends and God that day in that church, when I said yes to Kristen, I was saying no to every other girl, every other woman in the world. And what I want you to see is, this may sound simple, but it's going to make, follow me. When you say that Jesus is the Lord of your life, what you're saying is, is that there is nothing else that is the Lord of your life. When you said Jesus is Lord, when you became a Christian, what did you do? You put your roots in to Jesus, and you got life, you got acceptance, you got forgiveness, you got contentment, you got joy, you got security from Jesus and what he said about you. And you said, I don't need to have acceptance, security, contentment, and joy from anything else. That's what it means to accept and to, and to say that Jesus is Lord over all. So tonight what Paul is going to say to you and I is what you are doing is that you are attempting to take your roots out of Jesus and what he has said is true about you. And you're trying to put your roots into something else. And what I want to invite you to see tonight is, is that if you would... Put your roots, if you would get the love and acceptance and security and contentment and peace that you so want from what Jesus says about you, there are three things that are true about you from this text. Number one, you can't, you won't be taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophies. Number two, your life will be filled, complete with meaning and purpose. And number three, you will walk in freedom. Now I want to spend a few minutes on each one of those. Those that have put their roots into Jesus and what he has done for them. Look at verse eight. Verse eight, Paul says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of the world rather than on Christ. Now there is some debate what these early philosophies were that the Colossians were dabbling in. But one thing we know is that they depend on human tradition and on the basic principles of this world. And I would ask you, what is a basic principle of this world? And one of them is this. If I do this, then I will receive this. And let me put it to you in a Christian frame of mind. If I obey God, then I will be accepted by him. 
And what Paul wants you to see is, is that if your roots are in Christ and what he says is true about you, then you will not be taken captive by the basic principles of the world, which I would call religion. Now, religion is not a bad word, but oftentimes in the Bible it is used negatively, and it basically can be summed up like this. If I obey, then I am accepted by God. And so many of us fall in to this philosophy, this way of thought. And one of the ways that you know that your roots are in Jesus and what he has done for you is that you don't think, if I obey, I will be accepted by God. You think, I have already been accepted by God, and therefore, I obey. Do you see the difference? One says, if I do these things, then Jesus is going to accept me, and he's going to give me peace and security and contentment and forgiveness. The other way says, I've already been given all those things, and therefore, I will obey. And the scary thing, y'all, the scary thing is, is that they can look the exact same. I cannot see your roots. I have no idea. People, people that are obeying in order to be accepted by God and people who know they've been accepted and are obeying, they look the same oftentimes because you can't tell. Off, they're both obeying, right? They're both going to church. They're both reading their Bibles, but they're doing them for two fundamentally different reasons. One person obeys in order to get, to gain acceptance from God, and the other person has already gained acceptance, and therefore obeys. If your roots are in Jesus, you will not be held captive or pulled away by basic principles of this world. The second benefit for putting your roots in Christ and what he has done for you is in verse 10. So if you have your Bibles, look with me at verse 10. It says... That you have been given fullness in Christ. Now, another way to say you've been given fullness in Christ is to say that you are complete in Christ. You have been made complete. Now, one thing we know about the city, the church of Colossae, when Paul is writing this letter, is that they were starting to look at the world around them and they were starting to think things are not the way they used to be. The city of Colossae used to be a vibrant city in that part of the world. And what we know is, is at this point, they were a very insignificant city. In fact, we do know that Colossae was the most insignificant city to which Paul wrote a letter. And I would just ask you this question, what happens when you feel that life has become somewhat insignificant? What happens when you feel a bit empty? What happens when you feel that there is a void in your life? And what Paul is saying to you is this. You are going to seek to fill that void, and you're going to do it quickly. And what happens when we do that quickly is we often fill it with the wrong things. This is the uh, grocery store rule. Never go to the grocery store when you're hungry, right? Because what are you going to do? You're going to buy a whole bunch of stuff that you don't need. What Paul knows about us is that when we sense this insignificance, this void in our lives, when we sense that something seems to be missing, we've got to fill it quickly because we are uncomfortable with that void, with this nagging sense that something is missing. And what I want to say to you tonight is this. If you feel that nag, if you feel that void in your life, and you are trying to fill it with something other 
than Jesus and what he has done for you, it is going to disappoint you. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And others of you are yet to experience this, but this is how it works. Take example something like alcohol. Our culture, and some of you think that alcohol is going to fill this void that you have in your life, this sense of emptiness. And guess what? Does it, does it actually do that? Absolutely not. For others of you, it could be sex, it could be pornography, it could be any type of sexual immorality or intimacy that the Bible says is not right. You think that you have this void and you're going to fill it with that, and guess what? Some of you know this. It does not fulfill you. In fact, it leaves you emptier afterwards. Now, some of you are actually filling the void with things that the Bible actually calls good. Right? You're, you're filling the void that you sense with achievement and success. And guess what? A lot of you in here are very successful people. And you think that if you fill that emptiness in your heart with, with getting to the top of the ladder, with being the best student in the class, with being the strongest person on the wrestling team, with being the most gifted and talented dancer, with being the person that receives the highest scores on a test, Whatever it is that you're trying to succeed, it is not ultimately going to fill the void. Some of you are trying to fill that void with a relationship with another person. And you know exactly what I mean. You, you have this nag that you need filled and you go and try to fill it with a relationship with another person. And you think that it's going to give you connection and completion. And guess what? It disappoints you. It lets you down. And the problem with you and me is, is that we have a tendency to put our roots into, to be filled by, to be stained by things that were never meant to fill us. We try to put our roots in things that were never meant to do what we want them to do. You go to achievement and success and you say, give me the, uh, the security and the feeling of a, of power that I desire, and that achievement and success was never meant to do that for you. You go to a relationship with another, with a girl or with a, with a boy, and you think, uh, give me a acceptance, give me security, right? And that relationship was never meant to do that. It's, it's as if you, you and I imagine that we're a sports car and we put diesel fuel in it. Now, I don't know how this works, but I assume if you put diesel fuel in a sports car, you may run for a little bit. But eventually that car is going to stop and it, and it will do severe damage to the inside of the car. You're trying, you and I are doing this, we're trying to fill that void with things that were never meant to fill that void. And what Paul wants you to hear is so basic, it's so simple, but it's this. Just as you received Jesus, just as you initially put your roots in what he said about you, would you continue to do that today? The last thing that Paul says in this text is that those who put their roots in Jesus and what he has done for you, you're free. You're free. I want you to hear that. You're free. There are so many ways that you are free, and Paul explains them in our text. First, if you're rooted in Christ, look at verse 14. If you're rooted in Christ, he has canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us. Apparently, this written code, I want you to imagine it's like an IOU. 
It's something that says you and I have a debt that we need to pay to God. And this is not a debt like, say, BP owes that may be millions and billions and trillions of dollars. This is a debt that no one in here can actually pay. It's actually infinite because we have offended an infinite and holy God. And what Paul is saying in this text is, is that debt, that IOU, has been canceled. And how? It has been nailed to the cross. That is a beautiful picture. And what, what now is true about you, if you will put your roots into Jesus, your guilt has been taken away. That's what Paul says. Can you and I, just for a minute, imagine what it would be like to live without guilt? Can you imagine what life would be without condemnation? I hope you know what Romans 8.1 says, but it says this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can you just dream for me a minute? What would life look like if you walked out of this room tonight without shame and without condemnation and without guilt for the rest of your life, for all of eternity. That is what Paul is saying is true of you if your roots are in Jesus. The second thing that Paul says is that if you're rooted in Christ, he has disarmed, look at verse 15, he has disarmed the powers and authorities. He has made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now that word triumphing is key. I want you to imagine many big cities in the world have a big arc, right? And some of them call it the arc of triumph. You kind of picture what, what I'm talking about. You've seen these. They're just this huge archway in the middle of a city. Now what those are there is to symbolically show that when a king and his army would go out of the city and defeat another army, what would they do? They would march back into the city and they would march through the Ark of Triumph. The king would be leading the way and behind him would be his army. And then behind the army would be the captives, the, the, the other army that was taken captive, humiliated, walking behind the king in triumph. Now watch what Paul is saying here. One commentator pointed this out to me and I think this picture is beautiful. What was a cross, what was a death on a cross intended to do to someone in, in the Roman day? It was supposed to be the most humiliating thing that you could do to someone, right? To, to put someone on a cross was to humiliate them publicly. Now what is Paul saying? Paul is saying that on the cross, God reversed. He basically said... What the cross was, what, what they intended to do on the cross was publicly humiliate Jesus. And on the cross, Jesus publicly humiliated all of the powers and authorities that stood against him. That's a beautiful picture. The last thing I want to say to you tonight about freedom is this. You are not just free from guilt. You are not just free from condemnation. And I want you to hear me say this. You're free to do something. Freedom is not just something that you can say, I'm free from shame. I want you to see that the way Bible, the Bible talks about freedom is that you're free to do something. And what is that? You're free to live as God intended you to live. 
And when you and I think about freedom, we think, oh, it means that there are no limits. There are no boundaries. It means that I can do whatever I want. And that's, that's a pipe dream. That, the Bible never says anything like that. What the Bible says is, is that you are free to live as God created you to be. If you take a bird and you put it underwater, what's it going to do? It's not going to fly. But you, say, you put that same bird in the sky and it's beautiful to watch it fly. We're not free as human beings to go and breathe underneath the water. We're free to live as God created us to live. The best way I could say, show you this is my, I have a dog named Chelsea. And every day I take Chelsea on a walk around the block. And, and uh, we have a leash law in our neighborhood, right? And so I have to put Chelsea on a leash. She does not really like that leash. But we walk to the park, and when we get to the park, I can take the leash off of her. And y'all, I love my dog. Um, she run, it's so fun to watch my dog run in this park. Because when she gets to the park and I take that leash off, she knows that she is free to run anywhere in the park. But there's still boundaries, there's still limits, right? I'm not going to let Chelsea run across the street and get hit by a car. She is free to run in the confines and the boundaries of that park. But if you were to look at my dog when she's running around the park, I promise you she's smiling. She loves the park. She is free to run and to be free to, to play in the park. But there are still limits. And I just want you to hear this. If your roots are in Jesus... If your roots are in Christ and what he has done for you, you are free from condemnation, but you are also to free to live as God intended you to live. And I want you to be free. Let me, let me close with a question because I know later you're going to go to your small groups and I want every small group to at least start by asking this question. What is it? What is it that you are trying to to sink your roots into in this world? What is it that you're trying to find security and contentment and peace and joy and forgiveness from that was never even meant to do that in the first place? What is it for you? I would just invite you to consider what that is, and I would invite you that Paul invites you to put your roots deep into the fertile soil of Jesus and what he has done for you. So that what he says about you is true. Let's pray. Our Father, could it be true? Could it be true that on the cross, Jesus, you took away condemnation. You set the captives free. You declared us not guilty. And that we can walk out of here free from condemnation forever. Could we believe that that so strongly that we would take our roots out of the things that we're trying to find life and significance from and would we sink them deep into that? And I pray in your name. Amen.